Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Statistically, we know that new churches grow faster, reach more people for Christ, are healthier than long-term churches. It's a goal to reach our nation to start new churches. The question would be, uh, is it possible for small churches or mid-sized churches to be involved in church planting, or is it just a mega church phenomenon? Today, uh, we have our professor, Matt Rogers, our expert in North American church planting with us on The Scent Life, and we're going to talk about church planting from a small to mid-church perspective. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to this episode of The Scent Life. Greg Mathias here alongside Scott Hildreth, as usual. But we also have our friend, our colleague, our guest, Matt Rogers. He's been here with us before, but Matt, welcome back to The Scent Life. Hey, thanks so much for having me. And so today we are talking about church planting. Again, we hear a lot about that, but one of the uh, maybe... uh, preconceived ideas or notions or perhaps an urban myth is it's just the large, extra large, XX extra large (laughs) churches uh, involved in church planting uh, because of resourcing and other things. But the question we're going to try to tackle today, and hopefully it'll be a help and an encouragement to many of our listeners, uh, is can small uh, or even medium-sized churches, can they not only be involved in church planting, but what might it look like and how, how could it be effective? And so First question I have for you, Matt, as we just get going in this conversation, when we talk about small to maybe mid-sized churches, what does that mean? Can you give us some parameters on what is a small church? What's a medium-sized church? Yeah, I think anything in that 75 to 150 person range uh, would be kind of the guiding principle or the borders uh, that I would think of, which is by and large, the vast majority of our Southern Baptist churches, which is why this conversation is so important, right? If we're going to say every disciple is meant to live on mission, every Mm. church is meant to be a church planting church, but then we immediately exclude 90% (laughs) of our churches from the ability to do that, then we're, this is a losing battle. Yeah, sure it is. So, so then Matt, that really begs the question. We, we do know that large churches Mm -hmm. have formed networks Mm -hmm. and uh, so across our uh, denomination, the North American Mission Board is our church planting uh, arm, church planting agency. You have great relationships with North American Mission Board. You've written some of their material. Uh, some of our mega churches have their own church planting forms. Before we move to the small church, can you shine just a little bit of light on this, what the mega churches are doing so that we can mm. actually differentiate? From it. This is what some of these big churches are doing. Maybe this is the narrative that's being told, hmm. and then let's build, okay, this is what small churches can actually accomplish, too. Mm-hmm. So what are some big churches and bigger networks doing across the country that you've seen and had experience with? Yeah, I think the the big categories would be some placeholder for residencies, internships, developmental pathways for those uh, that want to be sent. Mm-hmm. So you often see larger church has either built-in staff roles or the financial capabilities to bring in a crop of would-be church planters. Mm. Um, They often have a staff individual or multiple individuals Mm. devoted to overseeing, caring, training, mentoring these individuals, providing uh, off-ramps for those who are not yet ready uh, to be church planters. They've got some 
uh, assessment rubric that they're working leaders mm. through. In many cases, by virtue of the status of the church, they have connections mm. in multiple cities. And so therefore, they're able to call a buddy and say, hey, I've got a guy that wants to come to your city. Will you help? So it just provides such mm -hmm. a head start for those who want to be sent, which again, let's make the comparison to the small to mid-sized church. Mm -hmm. You've got single pastor mm -hmm. who's a Swiss army knife doing a little <laughs> bit of everything. Right. The developmental pathways, not on the radar. So we're grabbing book. If we have a person, mm -hmm. we're grabbing books off the shelf mm -hmm. and hoping something right. materializes. We're doing online assessment, you know, grids that are eh, squeamish at best. Right. We don't have the connections and we don't have the resources to get the person from where where they are to where we want them to be. No, that's great. So then let's let's ask one more foundational question, then let's move into some of the details. If a church isn't a mega church, doesn't have the resources, and we're by the way, we think that's a great model, right? The mega church. I mean, the, the, there's nothing wrong with what Absolutely. these guys are doing. Right. So we're we're not against that. Um, is there really this biblical mandate mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. expectation? that um, small to mid-sized churches ought to be planting churches? Yeah. Or should those pastors feel confident just saying, okay, we're going to leave that to the big boys? Yeah, I think we would see, so, so I guess it depends on how you frame up church planting. Okay. So are we saying they have to be involved in the totality of the pipeline of hmm. development to positioning to being the point leader on a church plant uh, as an individual church, I would say no. Sure. There, there's right. not a biblical mandate for okay. that responsibility. Mm -hmm. Do they have a biblical responsibility to, to be involved in the work? Yes. Mm -hmm. okay. And I think we would even go further to say that that needs to extend beyond merely we're allocating a certain budgetary percentage okay. yeah. to some cooperative pool of resources okay. that the outcome is producing church planting. Mm -hmm. I think that's a that's a good toe in the water stuff. Sure. But okay. to say we would want all of our churches to be more intimately involved in the reproduction of healthy church. Again, one nuanced caveat sure. that comes to mind though is I'm not even so sure the outcome has to be church planting. Okay. Like that revitalization, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, okay. you know, taking ownership of multiplication, reproduction, seeing healthy church established in a new place. That's a great I don't think that has to be bread and butter, point. true church planting okay. for a sure. church to be involved in that. Oh, I like that nuance. Can you unpack that statement just a little bit for maybe some guys who are listening that may not really understand the, the category church planting, church revitalization, this type of thing. Can you just quickly unpack that? Yeah, I mean, it, the the borders are a little bit, uh, yeah, they, they blend <laughs> into one another. But generally saying, hey, are we taking an existing work, an existing community of believers mm -hmm. who perhaps have gone through cycles of uh, unhealth leadership transition, maybe community has shifted, and are we sending a leader into those communities to bring about renewed health, renewed mm -hmm. sense of mission, mm -hmm. or are we sending planter or planting team to establish new work uh, out of the harvest? So in some sense, it's like a life cycle question. Okay. Are we starting in uh, the infancy? Or are we taking mm -hmm. a remnant of saints that uh, well, every church was a church plant at some point. Right. So are we stepping into a church plant at a later life cycle where okay, maybe good. we've seen some decline and trying to renew health? That's here? great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so uh, kind of as we've set this foundation, and that's really helpful, just to, I like that idea of every church starts at some point. So it, it's in some fashion a church plant. And the question is, are we going to be involved at some other stage in the life cycle or perhaps starting a new work? Um, 
So as we think about these smaller to, to maybe mid-sized churches, let's talk to those, maybe there are listeners, maybe they're currently involved, maybe, or they're considering it could be church planting, it could be some stage of church revitalization, but they're kind of maybe a zero to one. They haven't put their toes in the water, as you said before, or maybe they just put the toe in the water. What are some maybe initial steps, some things to think about, perhaps even connections or things to do to begin to move forward to get into more church planting uh, or perhaps church revitalization? Well, I think a place to start is to call out the elephant in the room in this conversation, at least with small churches, which is far too often the The caricature of church planting has been, I had an angry youth pastor that thought he could do it better than I could and went a mile down the street and threw hand grenades back and forth. Mm. We're not your mama's church. Or we had a planter come through the association that, right, that just really deconstructed the establishment, was Mm. uh, prideful. And so, again, the experience is often the the caricature I have of Mm -hmm. a church planter is not all that helpful. So I... I would say a place to begin is to get to know mm. a healthy, faithful, humble, gracious church planter in your okay. place. And if you don't know one, yeah. use the network of relationships through your local association to say, hey, who is who's a planter that I could uh, that I could befriend, that I could buy coffee periodically? Okay. Because I find over time if a lead pastor of small to mid-sized church who's Swiss Army knifing it actually begins to cultivate a relationship with uh, someone that loves the mission just as much as they do, that mm-hmm. uh, isn't out to sabotage the established church, that really loves mm-hmm. yeah. and wants to serve the pastor, then that begins to change uh, the perspective. And I think by God's grace and Southeastern Seminary is reflective of this, we're sending out more and more leaders mm-hmm. who are capable of coming to a new city humbly, mm-hmm. not trying to destroy what's yeah. there, uh, building meaningful relationships, engaging in broader denominational life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think those people are out there in most of our cities. You just got to work to find yeah, them. That's a great point. You know, when I first got involved in mission work, and I got a phone call from a guy who was <laughs> um, a state director um, in um, some one northern state convention, kind of a dual state convention, and he talked about church planting. And I was I married, had two kids. I don't know that I knew a single, I don't right. even know that I knew that churches planted churches, right? right? The, only, the only new churches I ever knew of was somebody got mad and yep. went and started a church and right. kind of positioned themselves as we're not that old bad church That's over right. there. So yep. we really are talking about something different. So I really like that concept mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. hey, first, um, let's own the fact that it's not always a negative thing, a new yep. church, right? Mm-hmm, there's there's mm-hmm. some things that, uh, that go into it. So step one, get some healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's learn, meet some church planters, meet some people. Um, what else can go into that? Yeah, I think by virtue of broader denominational life, again, kind of thinking as that's our ecosystem, I think there are avenues of kind of meaningful first step partnership, okay. be it through the North American Mission Board and their Send City mm-hmm. strategy okay. to say there's uh, there's a place that our church um you know, we've had a member move from here to Pittsburgh, and therefore, hey, this we're still kind of connected in That's that good. place, so yeah. we start to care okay. about that. Or mm. our pastor actually grew up in Michigan, mm. and so therefore, like, and so you just kind of start to do a, a, a taste test of the congregation mm. to say, like, where are our passions and interests mm. and. I think often we devalue those things. It's like, that's not spiritual enough for me. But like, 
where are you kind of already connected? Where have you had members move? Where, uh, where are you from? And begin to say, hey, let's begin to investigate what church planting work looks mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. in that place. Mm-hmm. Another place mm-hmm. to start would be your state level uh, denomination mm-hmm. to say, hey, where are they uh, focusing the attention uh, in church planting? So for us in South Carolina, that's in the coastal region. The okay. weight of the state is tilted very markedly towards the upstate. Mm-hmm. So 2,200 Baptist churches and over half of those are in the upstate of South Carolina. Wow. Okay. Very few along the coastal corridor, Myrtle Beach down to Charleston. Who doesn't so, want to go to the beach? Right. right. Who doesn't want to? <laughs> unless you want to go to plant a church there, right? right. Transitory culture right. is yeah. a challenge. But there are uh, healthy, faithful church planters in those coastal regions, which in a state like South Carolina is an easy drive from anywhere you live. So you're a pastor there. You can begin to network and say, who's who's doing this work in a place that I can access regularly? And what would it look like for our church to uh, have them as a consistent prayer focus? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's something simple. Uh, we do a mission spotlight here at Southeastern. We do that in our local church mm-hmm. uh, as well. Just mm-hmm. when we collect the offering or mm-hmm. before the sermon, mm-hmm. we're going to highlight a church planter and we're going to uh, intentionally pray by name, mm-hmm. you know, not just broadly for God's mission in the world, but we're going to pray for yep. Will and Aaron Cole in Pittsburgh, right? right? Th- yeah. That's our focus. And that begins to, I think, mm. over time, stir something in the hearts of people. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really helpful. I like all of that. I, one of the things that I really appreciated there was part of it is, uh, I think you said, kind of a, a bit of a taste test uh, within your own congregation. Mm. Uh, what are your skill sets? What are your talents? What are your desires? What's your history? And I think as we talk about this idea of church planting or revitalization, if you find that you're in a smaller church and uh, perhaps uh, this is a new concept and and you're having a hard time making those connections, that's where these relationships happen. That's where perhaps associations can step in or other people. And so you're not on this, you're not doing this all on your own, but, but resources oftentimes are in the soil. And so sometimes we just haven't dug. Uh, deep enough there. So, so within this conversation, let me ask you this: As we think about a small to medium-sized church, are there maybe ways or uh, roles, perhaps, in church planting and revitalization that a small to medium-sized church maybe is a better fit than maybe one of these bigger churches? Do they have a role to play that might be unique to a small to medium-sized church? Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary exists to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, we offer over 40 degrees, ranging from a Bachelor of Arts to a Doctor of Philosophy. The Master of Divinity is Southeastern's flagship degree for anyone seeking to be thoroughly equipped to serve their local church through a variety of ways. Since 1950, Southeastern has grown its student body to more than 5,000 students who seek to minister in the U.S. and around the world. We believe that theological education is more than just building knowledge. It's about becoming who God has called you to be. No matter how God is calling you to serve, Southeastern will come alongside you and help you to grow in your faith and go to reach the lost. If you're interested in learning more, check out sebts.edu to find out how God might be calling you to go next. Use the code THESENTLIFE, all caps, no spaces, and Southeastern will waive your application fee.
Well, I think by by definition, uh, if they're going to be a part of church planting or revitalization in an ongoing way, it requires multiple small to medium church, medium sized churches to get in on the Good work. Point. So, mm, you I think like where did uh, where did Baptist Associationalism begin? Well, yeah, it began, yeah. and we've got to collaborate around educational endeavors. We've right. got to collaborate around mission endeavors. So, the bigger church, again, not devaluing that world, right, right. but they simply don't. It's not necessary for them to have other partners point, uh, yeah, to, yeah. to be about the work. But mm-hmm. if you're going to do it in an ongoing way. So I think, yes, broader denominational life is one thing, but the buddy network, Mm. um, more like who are five or six buddies that you trust that are doing church and some other places. And what would it look like for the five of you to have strategic conversations about how can we collaborate together on a place or maybe we can't do an internship or residency program, but maybe you have a person and we have a person and this church has a person and over time, mm. if we were praying for the same place and being strategic about that place and uh, celebrating that place, then what would it look like for multiple churches to form a church planting team yeah, together? And I guess the last thing to your uh, a challenge for the mega church and sending mm-hmm. is that's not the environment most church planters step into. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're not stepping okay, into yeah. the 12 no, Sunday true. services <laughs> and the... Yeah. Right, they're stepping into mm. the. I've got thirty people, and I got to be scrappy, and I don't even know if some of these people know Jesus, and mm. I'm trying to figure That's this out. Point. So the context of ministry mm. in a sixty-person church with yeah. people who might not even know the Lord, and having to deal with a lot of that disunity, relational stuff. I think that's a really good context mm. for church planters to cut their teeth really and could, again, I'm not, I don't want to overstate my right. case, right. but it could prepare them for meaningfully walking into that context mm. uh, without a Sunday centric, mm. big gathering yeah. hyper focus. Okay. That's okay. a great that's point. That's really helpful. Now, the, the other, you mentioned getting together with some of your buddies yep. and we often talk at the seminary that one of the great benefits for theological education is you make friends. That's right. But you don't necessarily mean, I don't think, Matt, that these has to be buddies that are in your city. Right? I mean, you can make, you have buddies that you went to school with or buddies that you've connected with at conferences, and you may be, maybe you're in South Carolina, but you're, you know, you may be in Spartanburg, and you may be in Columbia. You could be even over in the Charlotte area of North Carolina, but you're buddies, and then you identify this place at Myrtle Beach, for example. You could partner that way, right? Yeah, I think when you get under the hood of larger denominational life, you realize how much of this runs on the rails of relationship, yeah, right? Yeah, it, no, it, right? It's not as much structural as you think. It's all... <laughs> I've got a friend, I've got a connection, I know this person, and, you know, today's, like, yeah, I can send a text message. So I do think, hey, coming to seminary, and this is a challenge with online education, because mm. we're not able to cultivate those relationships, perhaps, mm-hmm. in the way that, that we, we once were. But even being able to come with the intentionality of, I want to forge meaningful, lifelong relationships that may not be super close to the close. These mm-hmm. may not be my tightest boys that I'm talking to regularly, but they're people that I trust. I mean, Greg and I would mm-hmm. demonstrate that. Mm-hmm. We churched together when mm-hmm. I was here mm-hmm. doing my yep. master's work. He's a trusted friend. We don't talk consistently, but he's somebody that I would yep. easily say if Greg tells me he's developing a quality leader and they need mm-hmm. help and planting in this yeah, endeavor, definitely. I would trust him wholeheartedly to send. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the answer to your question is it doesn't have to be Local. I do think proximity uh, gives some ability to say, hey, we can get in the room. We can mm-hmm. talk shop about this. The challenge of multiple churches planting together is mm. who leads? How do we uh, make decisions? 
whose kind of ecclesiological borders are establishing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the metrics of success in the plant. So there's a lot of complexity to yeah. go with that. So I think if you're going to do it, you've got to have some proximity, some trust, right. and maybe heighten that as you begin mm-hmm. to partner mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Good, good point. So I've got in my mind uh, perhaps uh, some, a couple of categories of listeners as we talk about this, uh, this idea of church planning and revitalization. The first would be, what if uh, one of our listeners are listening right now and they're thinking, you know what, uh, part of this church, uh, we've never really talked much. Uh, maybe I'm on staff, uh, but I'm not the lead uh, or the senior pastor. Uh, how do I begin to initiate the conversation of should we think about as a church maybe church planting or revitalization somewhere in our community or somewhere else? How do they start those conversations? Yeah, I think it's always, the answer is always bottom up and not top down, right? So it's allow, allow this to bubble out of my own personal disciplines. I allow, allow it just to be the, the mark that I'm known by in this community. So if I'm in a staff relationship, so let's say I'm youth pastor mm-hmm. at X church and that, um, that when asked to share at staff meeting, what are the things that I find myself talking about? Like, mm-hmm. what's God burdening my heart for? What What's my p- prayer journal littered yeah, with yeah, when yeah. when I am given the opportunity to preach? What's the yeah. sermon text that I select? <laughs> um, I, I don't think, I, I think we often think that it has to be a very overt, we need to be a church planting church and we're going to adopt this program that's going to move us in that. And, and I would just say, man, Maybe a softer, gentler approach is leverage the opportunities that you're given to speak about the things that you're passionate about. And then over time, I think people begin to, Mm. I think the spirit uses that to bring appropriate conviction, but maybe that's not as true of my prayer journal as it is of yours. And so I need to be more engaged in that. What about another perhaps listener out here that they're thinking, as I think through it, the way you've talked about things, how you've described things, uh, I wonder if our church needs to be revitalized. Yet maybe my congregation... I'm not sure that they're there. What do you do with that at that point? Is it relationships and connections, inviting people in? What do you do if you're starting to sense maybe we need some help in our own church? Yeah, you're thinking here particularly a member or a pastor of that congregation. I would say either one at this point. Yeah, Yeah, I think the answer is fairly similar in that uh, the start is is bottom-up, is take personal responsibility for the missionary task that's before you. Mm-hmm. Like, are you personally invested yeah. in your context? Mm-hmm. Are there, I don't know, 10 people who are far <laughs> from God, but close to you that you could name really, really quickly, mm-hmm. right? That's like when asked who are the, like, could you, could you meaningfully rattle that off in prayer? Um, does your dinner table reflect uh, mm-hmm. neighbor love and hospitality? Mm-hmm. Like those are the kind of questions. And again, I think mm-hmm. maybe our church needs to be revitalized. Well, let's start. Let's have a big Sunday where we invite everybody <laughs> to the thing. That's not normally where revitalization is going to happen. So if it if you're a pastor, particularly if if that impulse for mm-hmm. God's heart for people, God's heart for the nations, really gets in your bones. Uh, that that modeling that you're able to do in that leadership role, I think is going to be a more compelling change mm-hmm. agent over time than any box program you're going to buy at Lifeway or wherever. Uh, that's helpful. No, that's really good. And again, just trying to think through, uh, because for some people, this is a new conversation yeah. or it's one they're aware of. But as we started off in our uh, earlier in the episode of just thinking, oh, well, that's for another church that has more resources and things of that nature. Yeah, I one caveat, though, yeah. I would bring is I, I am somewhat hesitant with even the language of revitalization okay. in this. Mm. I, 
I, I wouldn't so much say like, so there's this place we've passed where, <laughs> man, we're in trouble and we need revitalization. There's a sense of me that says every church is revitalizing all the time, oh, yeah, right? Good. Like that we're, mm-hmm. we're that's all, good, we, good we don't, yeah. it, it doesn't happen like a jet, right? Okay. We, we don't hit cruising altitude and just stay there right. forever. So even the churches that we would look at and say, man, they're crushing it. Right. right, right, right. There's consistently things that are happening in the life cycle of that there church. Needs to be, yeah. There needs, yeah, the leaders are reinvigorating, they're mm-hmm. revitalizing consistently. So I, I get, I get nervous with labels. <laughs> oh, we're good. a revitalizing church, right. and it's like, well, every church is. Well, we're a church plant. Well, in some sense, every church is a church plant. So I wouldn't mm, have this good. stigma of, oh gosh, we're the. <laughs> We're the wounded puppy that's now yeah. the revitalized project, and just say, "No, you're you're one of all of us." Mm. Yeah, so that is kind constantly of, reinvigorating. There's macro and micro Absolutely. kind of life cycles that's to right. churches, kind of along this yeah. conversation that we're having. No, yeah. that's helpful. That's, that's great. So, Matt, real quick. So, um, not necessarily to be quick, but <laughs> um, so what is the uh, what are the perhaps the the we've talked about the benefits of the new church plant, mm-hmm. right? It, um, statistically reaches more people for Christ, grows faster, is more transformational in the community. But churches that do church planting, they benefit as well, right? Yeah. We're kind of we're afraid. Mm. I've talked to some pastors, they're afraid to be involved in church planting mm-hmm. because they think, what, the only way I can do this is to send my people out. So I'm yeah. losing um, yep. losing people. You know, my pastor, J.D. Greer, wrote, wrote the book Gaining by Losing, yep. the Kind of the the side mm-hmm. is that there's the losing element, sure. right? You getting rid of people, <laughs> um, and a lot of these of our, our listeners, small, uh, smaller, medium sized churches, they think, whoa, whoa, I can't be losing people. Sure. I'm already on the border here. So, what's some of the advantages or blessings that can come mm-hmm. from church planting? If I'm thinking, yeah, but it's going to cost me this member, these these members, this family is going to leave. Yeah, I think the very thing that those pastors or churches are often praying towards is a reinvigorated heart for mission. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the answer to the question. Well, what does is, what is church planting benefit? Well, it gives me a real stake in the game with missionary living, with missionary intentionality that if done well, and again, I'm, I would be arguing for, hey, our whole church is taking responsibility mm-hmm. for this. We're praying about this. We're kind of you know, acts, we're laying on of hands and commissioning these sent ones. Mm-hmm. Well, over the process of doing that, again, I think the spirit brings conviction to say, oh, you know what? We're commissioning them to do the very thing we should be doing. Uh, mm-hmm. So again, I don't think the answer to the revitalization challenge is the eight week uh, project, you know, that we, sure. that we run after, right. but it's okay. Let's send and invest in this work. Let's send some short-term teams to invest in this work. Let's give our resources to this work. And let's trust that the Spirit is going to reinvigorate His people for missionary living by virtue of that connection. That's great. Appreciate that. So, Matt, one of your responsibilities here at Southeastern uh, as a professor of church planting uh, here and as as you work in and through our mission center is working with students, teaching them but you also make yourself available as a coach for pastors, whether it's in South Carolina, other places. People can call you, get in touch with you, who want to know a little bit more. What type of things might somebody reach out to you about and say, hey, man, I need some help. Can you can you coach me through this? Can you help me through this? Can you give me some advice? Um, so this is like your appeal to say, hey, man, let me help me help you, right? So what kind of things pastors uh, would say, man, I need a little bit of help. 
And we'd like to say Dr. Matt Rogers is here to help you. Southeastern wants to help support what you believe God's calling you into. So what types of things might somebody reach out to you? What yeah, are you I, able to help with? I think the the biggest conversation, well, let me mention two things. Sure. Uh, the ongoing conversation that I find myself having is the, the pastor who does have um, scrappy youth pastors, typically that role. You know, youth pastor sure. who's got a heart for church planting, who's passionate about that work. And they're... They're saying exactly what I said a moment ago. Man, I am scrambling. I, I've got maybe an hour that I can allocate to this work. This person wants to be trained, but mm. I'm just grabbing books off my shelf and throwing it at this person and hoping something magically happens. We we are at a stage in the church planting conversation where people recognize that it's the uh, internship residency, that pipeline process, right. the developmental pipeline. Uh, that's going to be necessary okay. for us to do this effectively. Uh, also, because often that youth pastor, youth leader is 23, 24, 25. So even developmentally, we say, hey, man, there, there's probably some years right. before this person is going to be ready to be sent. So that conversation of um, what is what's like a two year scope and mm. sequence for training? Um, I'm I'm a tinker by yep. gifting, right? I like a whiteboard and I like putting ideas together. So we're dabbling on uh, the various kind of scope and sequence. Mm. What are what are some competency steps? What how would we use like North American Mission Board assessment mm. to even inform kind of the things that we should be developing a okay. leader on? What should they be looking for from their local church? What should they be looking for in seminary education? How do we blend those together? My experience with pastors is that few of them want a fully baked system. Mm. Uh, they want to make it their own, right? They want to add the books that they like and they want to, but um, I love providing some scaffolding for Good. that, right? You mm. don't have to start from scratch. Mm. And I think that that is the beauty of relationships and broader denominational life is uh, we can partner together to say, hey, you've already been thinking about this for about a decade, mm. and I'm just thinking about this, so help me. The other thing is um, pastors that say we've got some church planting activity in our city, or our church is um, maybe at a life cycle stage where we're thinking, like, can we can we give our facility to mm. a church planter? Can we merge with a church planter okay. in our city? This conversation has been expedited because of COVID huh. uh, as, as we're thinking, how do we steward resources, particularly all those buildings are on the best street corners of the city, right? right? They're at the heart of the city. So it's, uh, uh, it's planters that are scrambling for a facility and then these underused or unused mm. uh, buildings and cities. I do think figuring out the intersection of that in a way that is honoring to the legacy of senior saints that have invested okay. in these places, but in such a way that doesn't like throw the keys to the car, uh, throw the keys to the car to the planter and just mm. kind of they, they take over with their sign, but right. also allows the planter to lead and continue to plant there without the constraints that typically come with an established church. That's great. Yeah. So in other words, folks, we're glad that you are thinking, listening, appreciate you tuning in. With uh, We're here with Dr. Matt Rogers. And you know, maybe it is that God has placed on your heart um, a desire to plant churches. Maybe you've been to the Southern Baptist Convention or your associational meeting or your state convention and someone has said, we need to plant churches, and you think, man, I can't do that. Hopefully today's conversation has shown you, yeah, there's actually a way that you, no matter what size your church is, yeah can be involved in church planting, church revitalization, basically the whole church health conversation. You can be involved in helping other churches 
um, be healthy. If you want help with that, we'd encourage you uh, to reach out to us. One of the things we want to do at The Scent Life is provide resources and help for you in that. So if this is you and you'd like for some help, you can reach out to us. You can look at our uh, website at thecgcs.org uh, uh, and you can find on that a listing of our staff. You can send one of us an email, Dr. Rogers Face, and uh, email address is right there. You can send him a note, ask questions. He's more than happy to help you, to coach you no matter where you are. And so Matt, we appreciate you being here with us today. Uh, thanks for jumping in. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening in to The Scent Life this week. Take care.